Have you wrapped up all of your Christmas shopping? And where's my gift? This is Adashina Korki, and this is the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. And no, you don't have to worry about getting me a Christmas gift. Usually it's me bearing gifts to people during this holiday season. And my gift to you right now is episode number 15 on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. It's been a couple of months uh, since we've been able to produce a podcast for you, but we have been very busy on the website. And if you haven't gone to the website lately, Go to the website, alotofsportstalk.com, where we have a lot of college basketball talk for you. Our three-point play column is up right now, our weekly look at the week that was in college basketball. And in a couple of days, we will have coverage of the Women's Volleyball Final Four that starts on Thursday in Oklahoma City, Stanford, and Penn State, meeting up in one semifinal and the other semifinal, the University of Texas against BYU. One of our reporters, Jessica Ely, will be in Oklahoma City covering the Women's Final Four for a lot of sports talk. So stay tuned to that coverage. But right now, we're concentrating on episode number 15 of the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, and it's all about basketball and all about streaks. Uh, one of our guests is Jim Barnett. He came on our show uh, earlier on in our A Lot of Sports Talk tenure to talk about the Golden State Warriors a couple of years ago during the playoffs, and he joins us on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast on this episode number 15, talking about the 21-3 and Golden State Warriors. Their 16-game winning streak just snapped on Tuesday night against the Memphis Grizzlies, but the Warriors have had one of the best runs in NBA history, by far their best run in franchise history. And we talk with Jim Barnett, longtime Warriors analyst on Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area, and we talk about the anatomy of a winning streak. That 16-game winning streak the Warriors uh, just completed before losing to Memphis uh, yesterday. But Golden State with Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, even Draymond Green, they have stepped up, and the Warriors, the best team in the Western Conference at 21-3. and So we talk with Jim Barnett about all things Golden State Warriors, including the quote-unquote problem that the Golden State Warriors might have once David Lee comes back from his hamstring injury. So Uh, A lot of good options for Steve Kerr, the first-year head coach of the Golden State Warriors that he has at his disposal. The Golden State Warriors, the best team in the NBA at 21-3. And And we talk with Jim Barnett of Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area to talk about all things Golden State Warriors. But our first interview on this episode number 15 for the Alana Sports Talk podcast is with a Hall of Famer. Hall of Fame head coach Sylvia Hatchell, and she is also, more importantly, a cancer survivor. Last year, Sylvia Hatchell, the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels women's basketball team, had to step away from the basketball court as she was diagnosed last October with acute myeloid leukemia and spent a year away from the basketball team, could not coach the team in the 2013-2014 season. But she, after a brave and successful fight so far against leukemia, back on the sidelines for the University of North Carolina women's team. And it's such a great sight to see Sylvia Hatchell back on the sidelines for the North Carolina Tar Heels uh, women's basketball team. So we talk with Sylvia Hatchell about her fight against leukemia, all of the things that she learned Uh, while she was going through the treatment uh, in a North Carolina hospital. And Sylvia Hatchell, such a very 
uplifting person that she is when you get a chance to talk and when you get a chance to hear her speak. So we talk with Sylvia Hatchell about her brave fight against leukemia and also talk about her women's basketball team. And uh, they're not that bad at all. Uh, The North Carolina women's team has already beaten four ranked teams at the time of facing them more than any other school so far uh, this season. Now, I do have to say that their streak, they were undefeated going into Tuesday, but they also uh, lost to another ranked team, the Oregon State Beavers. So hopefully our podcast isn't a jinx to long winning streaks with the Warriors and the University of North Carolina women's basketball team. But anyways, the interviews that we had, definitely not a jinx and definitely worth listening. Jim Barnett of the Golden State Warriors, analyst for Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. But our first interview was with Sylvia Hatchell, Hall of Fame head basketball coach for the University of North Carolina women's basketball team. So that interview with Coach Hatchell begins in another couple of seconds, and we will see you at the end of the show. We're just one month into the college basketball season, but the North Carolina women's basketball team, ranked sixth in the AP poll, has already defeated four ranked teams in the AP Top 25 at the time of defeating them, the only team in the country right now that can lay claim to that distinction. And if you were to watch the North Carolina Tar Heels women's basketball team this season, you will once again see a very familiar face on the sidelines. Joining us on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, we are pleased to be joined and honored to have Sylvia Hatchell, head coach of the North Carolina women's basketball team, the winningest all-time active uh, winningest coach in women's college basketball, 2013 Naismith Hall of Fame inductee, and a cancer survivor back on the sidelines uh, after a year away uh, battling and fighting uh, leukemia. First of all, Coach Hatchell, thank you so very much for joining us. How are you doing and feeling today? I'm doing great. I really am. I'm so blessed to be back uh, coaching, doing what I love, and and working with these young ladies. So, you know, every day is a great day. What was that first day back um, coaching in a coaching capacity like? What were your emotions, whether it was Midnight Madness or sometime in the summer or uh, during this fall? What were those emotions like back being back on the court with your team in a coaching capacity? Well, I mean, you know, this is my 40th year of coaching, but in a lot of ways it feels like my first. Uh, when I got back with the team this year, you know, I was like a kid on, on the first day of school, you know, when you're going to kindergarten or first grade, and because and, uh, I was so excited to be back out there and working with the kids. And I, I saw things differently now, you know, through, through different eyes because, you know, trust me, I take nothing for granted. And just the opportunity to be out there at practice and, and, and work with these girls uh, day in and day out on the court and, and uh, you know, just in their lives in general, it, it's such an honor and a privilege. And, you know, we, we just we take so much for granted. And, and trust me, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that anymore. I was just about to ask you, uh, how is your perspective on life and on basketball uh, changed now compared to before um, October 2013 when you were first uh, diagnosed? Well, um, you know, it, it is different uh, because, you know, every day is a blessing. Every day, uh, you know, I open my eyes, the uh, first thing I do is, 
you know, I say, you know, uh, hey, you know, I, I look for opportunities. Every day I just look for opportunities to, to help other people, to enhance other people's lives, uh, to, to help my basketball players, uh, you know, become better people, not not just, you know, talent-wise in the game of basketball, but in the game of life. And, uh, you know, so like I said, uh, you know, every day is a, is a blessing, and, and I just, uh, you know, I'm so happy to be. I'm, I'm a miracle. I know I am a miracle, and I'm so blessed to, to be back doing what I love. And so I'm just trying to, to give back as much as I can and take advantage of every opportunity I have in every day. Once again, Sylvia Hatchell, head coach of the North Carolina women's basketball team, joining us on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. Uh, was there someone or some people that you didn't know or didn't know well uh, before October 2013 that now you have known uh, because of your uh, battle and fighting leukemia that you know very well or that has really inspired you or helped you out in terms of uh, coping with everything that you had to deal with. So someone or some people that you may not have known before October 2013 that are now very special to you uh, because of what you have been through in the past year. Oh, yes, my life has changed tremendously. Uh, of course, you know, my, my world was consumed with basketball, and it still is. But now, um, you know, I've met so many people through our cancer center and through, uh, you know, my, my illness and my, my disease with, uh, with leukemia. Um, you know, I've got so many friends now, uh, you know, that are, that are not in the basketball world. Uh, I, I go over a lot to the cancer center and try to, to speak with, uh, other patients that have just been diagnosed and, you know, they're, they're having a hard time, uh, because, you know, it just, it, it, when it hits you, it's just like, you know, this is not real. It's not me. And, 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 you know, anytime you're fighting cancer, it's usually a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, you know, so again, you know, there's so many people that have come into my world, uh, because of my illness and, and my, my cancer. You know, and, and you never want to go through anything like that. And I, I hope, you know, other people don't have to go through that. But, uh, you know, I believe God is sovereign. He doesn't make mistakes. And there was a reason for me having leukemia. Uh, you know, and so, uh, but I, I do, I'm a better person. I know more people. Uh, I have a different mentality now. And, and, you know, I mean, every day is just, just so, there's so much joy in every day and every opportunity that I have. And I'm so thankful that for the experience that I had. It wasn't fun, trust me. It was brutal. The treatments are brutal. And, and just the not knowing and, 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 and the chemo and losing my hair and, you know, I mean, days, days when you feel like a Mack truck has run over you. You know, I mean, it, it, it's hard. But, but I have learned so much and I've become a better person because of my experience with cancer. What has the reception been like when you've gone back to the cancer center and talked with other uh, cancer patients? Well, the thing is, I can walk in there and I can say, I know what you're going through. I know how you feel. You know, lots of people, they try to tell you that. But unless you walked in those shoes, you can't do that. But I can because, and that's one reason why I go there and I visit with those people and try to help them and talk to them because I have been there. A year ago, you know, I was bald. You know, I was going through the treatments. You know, I didn't know what my future was going to be. You know, every day was so hard. Uh, and so I can, I can sit there and talk to them and say, now here's how it's going to be. You know, and, and here's what you have to do. And I'll, and, and, and I can share with them my experience. And, uh, you know, it really does make a difference because I have walked in their shoes. 
once again, Sylvia Hatchell, Hall of Fame basketball coach, joining us. Uh, how much were you able to keep tabs on the basketball team when the season started? I know um, there was a chance you could have been uh, in Nashville for the Final Four if Carolina had made it uh, to the Final Four. How much were you able to keep tabs on the team last season? Well, I actually, even though I was taking treatments and my immune system was flat, it was zero, uh, I was still working. I mean, I, I couldn't come into the office, but, you know, I, I would watch practice on my iPad. I was in constant contact with my staff, uh, talking with them, you know, about strategies and, you know, the work, breakdowns of practice and different things like that. Uh, I was recruiting. I was on the phone, you know, writing letters and different things like that. So I was probably working three to five hours a day, you know, either in the hospital or at my home, uh, in between treatments, different things like that. And that really helped me, too, helped me mentally, you know, uh, as I was going through the process. The hardest part was not being with the players, you know, not being around them and not being able to touch them and communicate with them and all because, uh, you know, everybody had to wear a mask and, you know, the chances of infection were really high and, and my immune system was, was, was flat. But, but I was still very, very involved with everything that happened. Yeah. Uh, my apologies if this may come across as shallow, but um, did you draw anything from a coaching contemporary of yours uh, in North Carolina, Kay Yao, who had her brave uh, fight and uh, battle with uh, cancer, who did succumb to cancer in 2009? Anything you drew from the way uh, Kay Yao uh, handled uh, her uh, battle with cancer in terms of helping you cope with what you went through? Oh, without a doubt. Kay and I were very, very close. We coached the 1988 uh, Olympic team together, won the gold medal in Seoul, Korea. We coached the uh, Goodwill Games, World Championships. We, we did a lot of U USA basketball together. Kay and I were very, very close. And uh, I did learn a lot from Kay. You know, uh, Kay always said, uh, you know, when, when life kicks you, make sure it kicks you forward. And uh, I was with Kay through her battles, uh, actually for about a 20-year period. When, I, mean, I remember when she was first diagnosed with breast cancer in the summer of 1987. I remember where I was, what I was doing, uh, and of course I was with her at the 88 Olympics and everything. Uh, Kay was a very, very special person, and uh, I did learn a lot, of, lot from Kay, and uh, she was always an inspiration to everyone around her. Once again, Sylvia Hatchell joining us. We will concentrate on the uh, North Carolina women's basketball team uh, for this part of the interview. Uh, as I said at the very top, four teams that you have beaten that were in the top 25 when you beat them. I know you talked about how this team uh, is final, has Final Four potential, but do you think that even after a month, month and a half of the season, that you might be even ahead of the curve uh, right now because of all the big wins that you've already um, accrued? Well, I'm not sure about here the curve, but this team, this team has major potential because we have played a very, very tough schedule. Uh, we've had some big wins, and uh, th this team, there are certain ingredients you have to have to be a Final Four team, and, and this team has those things because, you know, of course we're talented, uh, but we have uh, leadership. We've got three outstanding seniors on our team. Uh, we have depth. We have balance, I and mean, our scoring is, is we have three or four in double figures every game, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, th this is just a really special team, and probably the greatest 
uh, quality of this team is we have chemistry. This is a really, really good group of kids, and they have tremendous chemistry. Uh, and obviously some great players on your team, and it's hard to single out one. You have Alicia Gray, uh, Zelina McDaniel. But I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Stephanie, Stephanie Mavunga, who is already in the top 10 in block shots in Carolina history. I believe she's your uh, leading rebounder as well this season. Um, you know, had six blocks against the uh, Rutgers in that amazing uh, double overtime game. How good of a defensive player is she now? And how good of a defensive player can she be in the next couple of months, couple of years and going forward? Well, Stephanie's a very talented young woman. She has great timing inside. That's why she has so many good blocks. Uh, you know, she's a smart player, great kid, hard worker. Um, and, you know, she is a very good player now, and she's just going to continue to get better and better as she gets more experience. And she loves to compete. You know, uh, off the court, we call her princess because she's uh, she is like a princess. But when she gets on that basketball court, she's a warrior. And in fact, uh, lots of people call call her warrior princess. Uh, but she uh, she she has a tremendous future, and she, it's just a joy to coach a player like her. Uh, I mentioned at the top that you're the uh, winningest active head coach in uh, women's college basketball, and it just so happens that uh, within a week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, last month actually, uh, you defeated the team that has the third winningest active head coach in women's college basketball, Tara Vanderveer of Stanford, and the team with the second winningest uh, basketball coach active uh, in C. Vivian Stringer. Uh, how was that handshake like at the end, and did you tell both of those coaches, hey, I have to stay ahead of you in these uh, wins columns? <laughs> Uh, I don't look at things like that. Uh, first of all, it's just an honor to play a team like uh, Stanford or Rutgers, and I have so much respect for uh, Tara and for Vivian. Uh, I've known both of them for many years, and you know they're great coaches. They're great people. They've done so much for the game of women's basketball. But it's just an honor to play a, a team like that, and uh, you know, you, you know, both games they were good games, and and it, it's it's that's just really what it's all about. And but again, like I said, I just have so much respect for their coaches and and what they've done for the game of women's basketball. So, uh, and I'm just I'm just glad to be back out there doing that also. Uh, was the Stanford win in Hawaii a little bit extra gratifying, being that? The Cardinal did eliminate you, uh, the Tar Heels in 2014, and I believe in the 2011 uh, uh, basketball uh, women's basketball tournament. Any extra gratification for beating a team that was, I guess, your personal bogeyman uh, in the past few years? <laughs> well, it was for my players. You know, of course, I wasn't with them last year when they yeah. played, and they actually played on Stanford's home court. And I think we lost by like three baskets to them uh, to go to the Final Four. Uh, but the players were, they were very much so looking forward to that game. And I didn't have to say a whole lot to them. I just had to put them out there and let them play because they were, they were very motivated to, to play that game and, and all. Uh, but, but, but then again, you know, you know, that, a, a game like that is just so great for, for the sport of women's basketball. Uh, you won a national championship in 1994, probably one of the more iconic moments in women's uh, basketball, the uh, Charlotte Smith three-pointer uh, at the buzzer against Louisiana Tech, winning the championship, and uh, yourself uh, jumping uh, in elation uh, after that shot uh, went down. How much do you think about that championship still, and do you think you can still jump that high? <laughs> 
Well, first of all, no, I cannot still jump that high. So I may try, but I don't think I could get off the floor like that anymore. So, um, but, you know, it doesn't seem like it's been 20 years ago. And, but that was such a great moment, um, you know, in my career, especially, you know, with seven-tenths of a second on the clock, we're behind by two. And, uh, you know, then we make a three-point shot. So just the way we won that game was just absolutely incredible, and it's still hard for me to believe. Uh, so, But that was a, a great moment for, for, for my career and for, for our program and for women's basketball. And, uh, and like I said, there is no way I could get off the floor like that now. <laughs> Uh, but uh, there are so many things that you have done and will continue to do that will inspire so many other uh, people. Uh, coach Sylvia Hatchell, head coach of the North Carolina uh, women's basketball team, it really has been an honor uh, to get a chance to talk with you. Your team will face another ranked team uh, in the uh, Oregon State Beavers in Chapel Hill. But uh, more importantly, uh, Coach Hatchell, it has been an honor uh, to have you share some time with us and share your story. We thank you so very much for joining us. Best of luck and success to your Tar Heels uh, this season and down the road, and best of luck uh, and success uh, in continuing uh, the fight against leukemia and to spread the word on uh, continuing to fight against cancer. Well, it's been an honor for me to, to visit with you, and again, I just uh, cherish every moment, every day. I'm very thankful for the opportunities I have, and uh, we appreciate folks like you that, uh, you know, uh, support women's basketball and, and is just out there doing things the right way, and, uh, you know, it's just uh, it, it's, it's an honor to be on your program and to, and to visit with you. I absolutely appreciate that. Thank you very much, Coach Hashel. Thank you. At the quarter mark of the 2014-2015 NBA season, the Golden State Warriors have the best record in the NBA, 21-2 and and a 16-game winning streak going into Tuesday night's action against the Memphis Grizzlies. And for a franchise that has had Wilt Chamberlain play for it, as well as run TMC, we may be witnessing the best stretch of basketball in the history of the Warriors franchise. And that's saying something. And joining us right now on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast, longtime basketball analyst for the Golden State Warriors, Jim Barnett of Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area. He joins us now to talk about the Golden State Warriors. And first of all, uh, Jim, thank you so very much for joining us. And as I said, you've been around the Warriors for so many years, three decades, I believe. Uh, this has to be the most buoyant um, atmosphere that you have had to be around in terms of being around the Warriors with this winning streak. It's pretty special. It really is. They're special kids. And they're just playing out of their minds, but they just go out and expect to win, and they've won 16 in a row. Kind of difficult to explain, and uh, you know you're going to enjoy the ride while you while you can. It'll come to an end, and that very well be could be tonight because Memphis is such a great team, and I do not believe that uh, the Warriors' big man Andrew Bogut is going to play, and and they need him because that's an awesome front line with Marcus Ole and Zach Randolph. Uh, you mentioned how it might be uh, tough or difficult to explain this winning streak, so what we're going to do now is try to explain uh, the anatomy of this winning streak. Uh, the 
two big questions going into this season for the Golden State Warriors, and it started with that uh, Game 7 loss at the Staples Center to the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, the status of Mark Jackson, who was the head coach um, at that time, and the status of Klay Thompson and whether he might be moved in a possible trade uh, for Kevin Love. I do want to start with uh, Klay Thompson, who is still with the Golden State Warriors, obviously, and signed an extension. Uh, we know how good of a shooter he is, and we know that he is the best um, on-ball defender for the Golden State Warriors, if you believe Klay Thompson over Andre Iguodala in terms of being an on-ball defender, um, is there are there aspects of his game this season that he's really improved on to take the next step in his basketball development? Uh, the biggest improvement is his consistency in scoring. Um, he's he's had right now seven straight twenty-point games, and one of the reasons for that is he's getting to the free throw line. Um, he's he's shooting like three times the number of free throws he shot, you know, his first or second year. So he's he's added another aspect to his game, and that's putting the ball on the floor and driving to the basket and not settling for jump shots. And that does a couple things for you. Uh, usually it will increase your percentage because you're getting closer shots if you're driving it all the way to the rim. And secondly, you get fouled and you get to the free throw line, so your scoring average will go up, and certainly that has. Uh, is that something that he might, Clay Thompson might have either learned or saw Steph Curry do, put the ball on the floor more and get to the free throw line more? Or is that somewhat of a directive that maybe a coach or coaches um, uh, let Clay Thompson know to try and put it on the floor more and get to the free throw line more? Well, every player every year tries to improve their game. And you can't just work on your strengths, and you've got to work on your weaknesses. And he just would not put the ball and drive to the basket, wasn't very good at it, quite frankly, and not very good at finishing. And now he's just he's learned how to do that. And that may, I don't know, that may be influenced from his dad, who was a longtime player in the league, because I know he, he gives him lots of suggestions and lots of uh, tips along the way. And so, but I think, I think Clay Thompson's a very intelligent young man, and he, he sees what he has to do, and he watches and he studies. And so now he feels comfortable doing that. Uh, once again, Jim Barnett of Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area joining us, talking about the Golden State Warriors and the new head coach for the uh, Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, uh, coming from the uh, broadcast booth, or at least on the floor uh, broadcasting, coming over to coach the uh, Golden State Warriors. And he always gives off this almost country bumpkin, self-deprecating um, attitude when he does his post game. But what is... Uh, Coach Kerr's biggest impact on the team, Ben, if you can finger point and pinpoint one big, real uh, change that the Warriors have had under Steve Kerr compared to Mark Jackson. Well, you know, it's, I don't want to compare them, but I'm going to say about Steve, and it's hard to just say one thing because I would just say he's complete. He's complete as a human being. Um, he is intelligent. He is confident, and yet he's accessible, and he maintains his poise all the time, and I think that's, he's had a grounding effect on this club, and that's one of the reasons they didn't panic, uh, you know, two days ago in New Orleans. They're down by eight with four minutes to go, and they kept their poise. They got mentally, t I think he's mentally tough, and the, the team is mentally tough, and they eventually won the game in overtime. So he brings that dynamic that is inherent in his personality, that he's confident, he's secure, he is uh, someone that is dependable, and he doesn't overreact. Um, he's got a brilliant coaching staff, the staff underneath him, starting with Alvin Gentry and Ron Adams. So you've got offense, you've got defense. 
um, he's a true leader. He's a true leader, and I think that leader, those leadership skills translate to Steph Curry and anybody else who's on the floor at any given time. Uh, does Coach Kerr have a coaching style or philosophy yet, or is it just too early in his tenure to really pinpoint a style or philosophy that he has coaching? He's got a very simple philosophy, and that is move the ball and find the open man. Push the ball ahead, give the ball to someone who's open, who has a better shot than you do, and don't stand and hold the ball and look to see what you can do. Um, he likes ball movement, and that's his, his main thing is, uh, it used to be the New York Knicks back in the 70s, you know, find the open man. And obviously they're doing that. Plus, they want, they, you don't have to play defense. But you'd have to ask him what his philosophy is. I don't know what his overall philosophy is, except basketball is a pretty simple game if you play it correctly. And the correct way to play it is, you know, take care of the basketball, don't turn it over, uh, push the ball ahead, move it so the defense doesn't get set, um, you know, move without the ball. Uh, you know, I've always felt that when you dribble the ball, you move one man. When you pass the ball, you move five men. And I believe that uh, that translates into his offense. Once again, Jim Barnett of Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area joining us, talking about the 21-2 and Golden State Warriors. And it's pretty accepted that the Warriors are going to have at least uh, two All-Stars and Steph Curry, uh, as well as Klay Thompson. But is it possible that... Uh, the Warriors might have a third all-star in the sense that Draymond Green um, averaging 13 points per game, eight rebounds, three assists as well. There are not a lot of players in the NBA with those numbers, eight rebounds, three assists, while scoring in double figures, and Draymond Green is one of them. Um, he has really been one of the integral parts of this winning streak and for the past couple of seasons for the Golden State Warriors. So uh, is how integral is Draymond Green uh, to this Warriors winning streak? Very much so. He, he's just been a phenomenal find for them because he does so many things. He's got size that he can compete and strength with bigger men, but he can also go out on the perimeter and, and defend out there on, on two guards, and he just anticipates. He's, he's got a good understanding of the game, a very, very high basketball IQ, and he just simply makes the right plays. And the big thing for him offensively, you know, he's basically doubled his scoring average uh, this year, and he's shooting threes with with uh, consistency because they double-team Steph Curry a lot. They'll double-team Clay Thompson. So he finds himself open, and people didn't mind leaving him open, but all of a sudden he's found a shot. He hit seven of them against uh, Chicago a couple of weeks ago and broke their backs, and the Warriors would not have won that game without him. He's, um, he's a real find and a real surprise, but he's just kind of a steady player who makes big plays. He'll take a charge. He'll get the tough rebound. He'll block a shot. He'll, not, he'll deflect a pass. Uh, he just disrupts the other team defensively. He, you know, he's, I think he's more valuable at the defensive end than the offensive end, but when he's on his game and when Curry is getting double-teamed and Curry and Thompson aren't shooting well, he's a reliable alternative because he can now knock down threes. And he, The other day in Dallas, uh, the Warriors had trouble scoring. I believe they scored 21 points in the third quarter. They had 39 in the first quarter. And he had 12 of those 21. All of a sudden, he started posting up one of the diminutive def, uh, defenders, and, and he started scoring for him. And, and he's got a lot of confidence in himself, and he's, um, he's just a revelation for him because no one ever expected this. Of course, Draymond Green is getting a whole lot of playing time in part because of David Lee not being a part of the team. He's only played yes. uh, seven minutes uh, all season long. Uh, when... 
David Lee uh, returns, does Steve Kerr and the Warriors, do they have a good problem? Do they have kind of a tricky situation to navigate given um, how to give David Lee some minutes and not necessarily uh, upset the chemistry of the players that usually get the lion's share of the minutes? So when David Lee comes back from, I believe, his hamstring injury, uh, what type of um, issue or problem do the Warriors have in trying to fit him into the rotation? You, better, you should be talking to Steve Kerr, and not the coach. <laughs> you need to interview him, and, and let him give you everything there, because you're asking me all these coaching decisions, but I will tell you what I think. And what I think is, I don't think it's a, a bad problem. I don't think it's a good problem. I think it's a good situation. And I believe when you're 21-2, and two, and I don't know what they'll be when David comes back, um, you know, that you're going to do whatever is asked. And they've already got uh, a role player in place in Andre Iguodala, who started all 10 years that he's played every game, but now he's coming off the bench. So they've already got a role model in Andre Iguodala, who's a former All-Star. So now the, very, the Warriors very well could have two former All-Stars coming in off the bench with the second unit, and that's going to make them very, very strong. I don't know how you could take Draymond Green out of the starting lineup. I just don't think that's going to happen. And they're going to have to integrate David Lee back into the game anyway with that hamstring because he came back the seven minutes that he played. He missed a few games. He tried to play, and he kind of pulled it again. So they're going to be very careful and circumspect with that decision. But you're going to have a very awesome second unit, both defensively and offensively, when you've got Iguodala and David Lee coming in together uh, off the bench like that. And I think that's... uh, you know, as I say, I just think it's a good situation. It's going to make them even stronger. Again, the Warriors 21-2, and but of course Golden State playing in the Western Conference. Uh, you look at the standings and the Memphis Grizzlies, whom the Warriors will play tonight only two games back. You have the uh, Portland Trail Blazers and Houston Rockets only three games back of Golden State. Um, the Western Conference has a way of really humbling you. If you are in the Western Conference, that you could put up, so many good wins and a lot of good numbers and uh, the objects uh, in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear with Golden State having such a hot start but with all the teams just right behind them is that a way of keeping the Warriors motivated that one loss even after winning 21 out of 23 and you're only one game ahead of the team that's in second place well you've got to be if you're an NBA player and you're a professional athlete you've got to be motivated and that separates um the great ones from just, you know, the average ones. If, if you don't come to play every night, and this is a team that has that kind of character, they come to play every night. Certainly, they know that, and that, you know, you motivate yourself in lots of different ways. It's a long, long season. But we all know how good the Western Conference is. Uh, Portland now, with their win last night at 19-6. and six. Uh, you, you look at San Antonio, and you look at the Clippers, and there are, you know, what, five, five or six teams ahead of those those two teams, and it's uh, it's it's a brutal, brutal schedule if you're playing out in the West. Um, so, you, you know what? You just go out, as I say, you, you want to go out, you play every game, you try to play your game. Obviously, you're going to have off nights, and that's what's nice about this club, uh, when they are all together, but they've got to have Andrew Bogut. Andrew Bogut, they can survive the regular season and make it to the playoffs without Andrew Bogut, but they're not going to win in the playoffs without Andrew Bogut. We witnessed that last year against the Clippers in the seven-game series when DeAndre Jordan ate, ate the Warriors alive and the, just couldn't compete with that front line. Bogut makes a difference, and it makes a difference at both ends of the floor, but particularly at the defensive end. Um, if the Warriors run the basketball and, and push ahead and Bogut's not on the floor and they scatter the defense, they can stay with anybody. But if they have to play a half-court offense 
and the game slows down like Memphis wants you to do. Andrew Bogut facilitates things. The Warriors, you know, they run the ball through him. Uh, in one game, he had seven assists. I think it was against Orlando in the first half. So he can find with uh, a dribble screen, handoff, uh, backdoor plays. He can find Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and they can still make their offense fluid. But if he's not on the floor, they've got to push the ball, and it's so imperative that they run. But defensively, he defends the rim. I mean, last game against uh, you know the um, potent New Orleans team without their main guy Anthony Davis you had their two guards and and I believe they scored 64 points Drew Holiday and Tyreek Evans because they had free access to the rim and that's that would not have happened with Andrew Bogut on the floor so I'm trying to remember exactly your question but uh, if that kind of solves that mystery uh, for just you. The, yeah just the Western Conference and uh, uh, making sure that uh, you keep piling on the win, wins because such a hot start you want to win as many games as possible. Exactly. You want to get the best advantage you can in the playoffs. You want to have home court advantage. It's it's a big, big plus if you can do so. And you mentioned Andrew Bogut and his presence for the most part this season being such an anchor uh, for that defense. I know a few games Maurice Spates has really stepped up, at least on the offensive end. And uh, we talked about Festus Azili a couple of years ago uh, in terms of his development and how things uh, have been going well for him despite uh, some shortcomings. I believe you mentioned his uh, hands and his hands not being so big uh, in terms of possessing the basketball. Uh, just talk about Andrew Bogut a little bit, and you mentioned him a lot, um, how he brings depth to that front court, because the front court with Andrew Bogut uh, being present along with Marie Spates, along with Festus Azili, has been a pretty potent front court. We talk about the back court a lot with Golden State, but with Bogut's well, presence, they have a pretty formidable front court. There's only one score among those three players that you talked about. You talk about Andrew Bogut, Festus Azili. And Maurice Spates. Maurice Spates has been brilliant. He, he's won the, the road trip uh, two weeks ago in Oklahoma City. He won the game for him. Simply put, he won the game for him. He won the game for him in Charlotte, scoring the first 16 points the Warriors scored in the fourth quarter when the Warriors were down. He can score. He can shoot. His defense has picked up. Festus is going to struggle at the offensive end. Andrew Bogut's going to struggle at the offensive end because he doesn't want to take a lot of shots. They're not going to throw. He's not a low post player where you throw the ball. He doesn't want the ball down there. Um, he's he's not a particularly good free uh, free throw shooter, so he's not going to get to the line a lot, and he's not going to take a lot of shots. His anchor is at the defensive end. At the offensive end, Andrew Bogut loves to handle the ball, and he's a terrific passer, and he's like a point guard. He sees all the action, just like Magic Johnson used to see like two, three plays ahead, the pass that leads to the pass that leads to the basket. That's the way Andrew Bogut plays his game, and he actually finds more joy in giving an, getting an assist than he does getting a basket. Uh, Jim Barnett of Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area talking Golden State Warriors. Uh, Jim, thank you so very much uh, for joining us. Uh, uh, we will definitely talk with you down the road. And once again, the Warriors, such a great start at 21-2. and two. And Jim Barnett, we thank you so very much for uh, talking with us about the anatomy of the Golden State Warriors. Take care and thank you once again. Thank you so much. Our sincere thanks to both Jim Barnett and Sylvia Hatchell for joining us on episode number 15 for the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast. Hopefully you had your fill of basketball with this show. So this episode about to come to a close. But once again, stay tuned and log on to a lot of sports We have a lot of college basketball coverage for you. Our college basketball game of the week takes us to East Rutherford, New Jersey on Thursday, where we will cover the 
number two team in the country, the Duke Blue Devils men's basketball team, and they will take on the team that won it all last season, the University of Connecticut Huskies. Also, we'll have some college wrestling coverage for you as the Grapple at the Garden college wrestling event takes place at Madison Square Garden this coming Sunday, so we will also have talk about college wrestling as well. So once again, stay tuned to a lot of sports talk.com and stay tuned to the a lot of sports talk podcast where we will have another podcast for you before the new year so my name is adashina Koiki. thank you so very much for joining us and we will see you for episode number 16 correct correct take care and happy holidays to you bye-bye <laughs>